They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. One good thing that I've got I won't let you down So please don't give me up Cause I would really, really love To stick around Ooh, yeah Hey, a little freedom Freedom Why did we pick that song? Today's guest has a much more popular podcast than we do. Oh, he does. He really does. <laughs> he, does. he does his daily, though. He's, might got, have, a little, might he's have, got a leg up. Might have a little little something to do with his podcast. Total life freedom. That's yeah. it. That's we're we're going to talk about Vincent here in just a moment, but get it, connection, freedom. Freedom. Total life freedom. That's right. Do we have to connect the dots for you? We both have the scruff today and, and the one uh, cross earring hanging we do. with our Ray-Bans on. And feathered hair. Shaking our tushes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's your, well, it's a show. It's a show. Let's just let's it's just call show. it what it is. It's Thoughts That Rock. It's mm-hmm. a podcast. It's about 30, 40 minutes. We give you great advice. You take it. Your life changes. You're welcome. Yeah. And this episode is sponsored by somebody that we know very well, Certified Rockstar. Those guys are amazing. We said that in the last episode Did as we? well. They're still amazing, though. <laughs> If you haven't heard about Certified Rockstar, that is our totally customized leadership training program, which has different versions, a half Mm -hmm. day, a full day, a multi-day. We said a virtual version, but we really don't do that. You should check it out anyway, though, at CertifiedRockstar.com. Yeah, different focus. We we can focus on company culture, on service, on values, on you name it. It's all online at CertifiedRockstar.com. This podcast supports Cannonball Kids Cancer, so should you. These guys do amazing work fighting for kids who have run out of options. So uh, please check them out at cannibalkidscancer.org. If you like the show, like we like the show, mm-hmm. uh, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And uh, most people don't ask for five stars. They just say, you know what? Just be honest and go and give us your honest review. Yeah. No, we, we don't want that. We don't want that. No. That's garbage. We want five stars, whether you like it or not, uh, because that puts us in front of more eyeballs. And the more eyeballs we get in front of... The more kids we can help through Cannonball Kids Cancer. So suck it up. Go give us a five-star review and get your mom to do it too. <laughs> yes. So at least that's two. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. That's right. Honestly, it does help out CKC. It those does. guys are amazing. Truth. And listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing Super those busy. those moments, those little nuggets we like to say of wisdom mm-hmm. that could really just amp up your life. Yep. We get it. Mm-hmm. Those are hard to come by, which is why it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Nope. For instance... I don't know. You could be kayak fishing in the Louisiana Bayou. You could be molding a miniature Hulk figure out of used chewing gum. Ghost. <laughs> Maybe you're trying to figure out how low can you go. Not it doesn't really not matter very. to us. My back. <laughs> we just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Just so you know, the ghost reference <laughs> was about molding the clay <laughs> from ghosts Sorry. Was it was Debbie Moore it wasn't Patrick just Swayze a freaky side. I was trying I put my arms around you like I was helping you mold you I'm know trying what? to think of things people could do while they're listening to the show and that's what you think they're doing while they're listening to Thoughts they are. they're having a intimate creation of an ashtray what an evening that is you know uh, what here comes the show let's do it Our guest today is Vincent Puglisi, who is the owner of Total Life Freedom. It's a mastermind community of entrepreneurs and freelancers building a life of time, money, and location freedom. Uh, We have known Vincent for a minute, Mm -hmm. and we actually started our podcast right around the same time. So Vincent, first off, welcome to Thoughts That Rock, brother. Thank you, brother. This This is a pleasure and honor. 
Listen, you know, we know we sort of started this thing together. Uh, Vincent has taken off like a comet. Yes. <laughs> and we are like a 19 or 1880s uh, wagon being pulled by a half dead uh, uh, horse. Come on. I, I think it's a like three-legged a bo- like horse. A bottle rocket is... <laughs> we at least have a little bit of height. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Yeah, he's killing it with his show. <laughs> he is. Uh, just a couple quick things. We're going to point you to the show notes to catch sort of Vincent's full bio and stuff. It's some pretty amazing stuff. But just a couple of cool highlights. He's the author of the book Freelance to Freedom, as well as the upcoming book, The Confluence, uh, which is a guide for entrepreneurs on how to develop, enhance, and blend their connections and content to create a business that is completely unique to them and perfectly serve their clients. He, of course, is the host of the Total Life Freedom podcast, which if you've never listened to, you've got to go Mm -hmm. listen to it. It's a daily podcast, which is like... Listen, the guy gets kudos straight up. That's commitment. It is huge commitment, but it's quick and to the point, right? It's not like this tremendously long. I mean, sometimes they're you know, they're ten minute, they could be ten minutes long, and he just gets right to the point and says what he wants to say, and he's off the next day. Yeah, could you imagine a 30, 40 minute podcast? Ugh. Oh wait a second. <laughs> oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> that's maybe, what we do. Maybe that's why we're <laughs> yes four hundred and thirty three in Algeria right now <laughs> on the charts. <laughs> we're big in Seoul, Korea. Just that's so right. You know. We're huge. So unlike the traditional podcast, brother, we're going to jump right to the meat and potatoes. So we're going to hand the floor over to you. Our audience would love to know what is your thought that rocks. Thoughts that rock number one. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. Hmm. Okay, so we, yeah, I love this. You sent this over. We took a look at it. I love the backstory for this. So tell us, tell us where that came from. Yeah, I was at a point where my my previous career as a photographer, I was a photographer for 23 years, and you know, I, I grinded and hustled my way through. I was in New York working for different agencies, working for different publications, not making very much money at all. Went to school. That's where I met my wife, Elizabeth, and then. Wound up getting a newspaper job in Evansville, Indiana, and it was an ideal situation. I got it was a small town, but I got to cover everything. So, like when presidents came through, I was assigned. I photographed, you know, multiple professional sports teams. I would go to Nashville for the Titans and Indy and St. Louis for hmm. the Rams. It was it was awesome. Um, I won the International Sports Photographer of the Year award in 2002, hmm. um, 2002 or 2003. So, in, in this little small town. I win this major award. All this stuff is rolling, but I'm making $15 an hour at this job. It's like Peter Parker. And I was literally saying, did you get bit by a radioactive yeah. spider? <laughs> Would you like to reveal something on the show right now? My son does have a tarantula. It's about 20 yards away from me right now. So. Yes. Ooh, venom. Uh, yeah. So I'm sitting here, and, and we just get married, and Elizabeth's pregnant. We're going to have our first kid in a month. And so I'm making $15 an hour. I'm, I, I just win this major award, and... This is the time where it was like, oh, you'll get your big raise now. And I go into my boss's manager's office for my, my you know, year-end evaluation. And he tells me all the stuff that I did awesome and how much we're crushing it. And then he took his glasses off. He rubbed his eyes. And he was like, uh, but I can only give you 3%. And I was <laughs> like, I mean, literally, this is in June. Andrew's going to be born in July. He's 15 now. And. I looked at him with, with almost fury at this point, even though I would just given everything that I could. But I'm like, and I said to him, I said, 15% of your salary might be great, but 15% of nothing is nothing. Right. Like I, was really, I was angry now. And he goes, we, we, you know, I want you to know, nobody else is getting anything. You know, it's a tough year. Every year in the newspaper years, t- every year is a tough year, they said. Yeah. Um, but we're give, we pulled everything for 3%. We tried to give you 4%, but we could only give you 3 And this is my dream career that I've worked towards. And I realized what was going on. I looked out in the newsroom and I saw so many unhappy faces and I saw people complaining, but I never really got it because I was so into my job. And I walked out and I remember being under the door frame of his office. And I remember saying, it's over. I can't do this anymore. I cannot be 30 years down the road with a family that's suffering while I do what I love doing, but I'm not supporting my family. Yeah. So I went back into the office and everybody's having a good time. And I'm just sitting there and I don't know what to do because I know this career that I've worked for, for, you know, all these years, I, I have to end it or change. And I went home and I called my dad. And my dad had the business in New York and I was now in Indiana. I used to work for him. And I said to I tried to get some work from him. I figured even if I can get a little bit of work, I could pay for diapers and formula. It'll, it'll subside some of this money because I know I'm not getting any more. 
So I saw, I asked if I can get money, you know, get some, get some work with him, not money, if I can work with him. And he said no. So I'm like, even my dad's turning me down now. Like, this is the worst day ever. And he, and he stopped me and he goes, I've been trying to give you some advice for years. You haven't listened. He goes, and he said, he said, maybe you'll listen now. And he said, you've become a really good photographer. You started out, you didn't know anything. You've worked really hard, but you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. And I finally was able to listen. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, you can do anything you want to do. You can go shoot for magazines. You could shoot weddings. You could shoot corporate work on your own. Anything you want to do, you can create the life you want, <coughs> making the money you want, and have you know, went, work when you want to work. But you're settling. And when your dad tells you at 32 <laughs> that you're settling, it's, it's hard to hear. Yeah. Um, and he, he said, you're settling. He goes, you are settling for $15 an hour, $32,000 a year, and benefits. And he said, he goes, and, and that was it. And I was yeah. just flabbergasted. And that, that literally was it. I, I stopped. I started calling different photographers to see if I can assist with them. They all said no. I took the phone book. Remember the phone book? I threw it against the yes. wall. And I said, like, if you can't beat them, join them. I was like, well, if I can't join them, I'm going to beat them. And I called Elizabeth and I said, we're starting a business. And she's like, what? And I'm like, well, I mean, no, nothing about business. We're starting a business. And that's literally how it started. And a year and a half later, it was a six-figure business. Two years, a year and a half after that, we had paid off our house and we quit our job and then everything happened since then. So, so that's, that advice changed my life. So, so the question, are you saying that when he told you that you had this skill, but you weren't using it correctly, just so I understand, he wasn't saying you're using all this photography skill set that you're doing with newspapers, you could be doing it somewhere else. He was saying completely beyond that, you've got this entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like that's the the skill set that allowed you to shine and, and pretty much go wherever you wanted to. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's like, you can take these skills and you can make <laughs> this job with it. Right. But you can take these skills that you've created and you can use it in so many better ways to better yourself. Yeah. And I, and I see so many people that have these amazing skills and they settle. Yeah. They settle doing it for somebody else or doing it half hearted or doing it with a not, not enough, you know, confidence in themselves to say, I can be more than this. Yeah. And, and if I am more than this, I can have these things. And on top of it, if I have these things, I can make the people around me better. And I think a lot of us shrink into a role that either our parents created for us, or mm -hmm. we, you know, have the imposter syndrome, whatever it is, but there comes a point where you have to say, I'm not worrying about any of that stuff. And I have yeah. to just do what I can do. And yeah. him telling me that, and I never felt a tremendous amount of confidence coming from my dad growing up. We never had a great relationship. So for him to say that to me was amazing because it meant he believed in me. Yeah. And when I heard that, there was nothing that could – I was the only one that could stop me yeah. at that point. I love it. How did you take that advice? And let's look at like – so you've got a, a hugely successful podcast now. How do you take that advice and turn it into something now that people – listen, it's one thing to have a podcast that's popular. People come in once a, once a week and or, or once a month and listen to you. It's something else to keep sort of – when you do something daily, it has to be compelling enough um, that they feel compelled to listen because you're out for a week, you're out for two weeks, you're so far behind, like you start having to worry about catching up on things. How, mm -hmm. how have you taken that advice to create something like your podcast? I, I think it all rolls into it. I think when you ask that question, what's the best piece of advice, I could have given you 30 different things. Sure. Right? Another one was when I worked in New York, and this, this ties into it, right, where I was trying to work for the Associated Press in New York City. It was in Rockefeller Center, right where they filmed, you know, Saturday Night Live. Was, yeah. was, so I would go in there and I would call. Jonathan Elmer was the editor. And I would call every week to see if I can get in there just to show my portfolio. Yeah. And he always said yes. And then he always turned me down. Something always <sighs> came up. Ugh. This went on for two months. And then finally, I called and I called every week, the same day. And they always did the hit. And then finally, they said, he said, I'll see you come on in. So I went to, you know, I took the seven train into, into Manhattan, yep. you know, went there and I sat down in his office. I'll never forget. It was the third floor. And he looked at me and he said, I want to thank you for your patience and your persistence. Mm -hmm. And I listened to him and he said, without both of those, we'd never would be here right now. And hmm. he hired me and I wound up, you know, spending a day with the Dalai Lama as an assignment, I wound up photographing my, all these things that you can't imagine wow. for the AP in New York city. 
And when he said that, patience and persistence, that's the answer to the question you just asked, yeah. because I always view it that way. It's always about patience and persistence, yeah. because I had enough patience to not bug him every day, yeah. <laughs> but I was persistent enough to call him every week. And so so when you can blend those two, and that's the same thing with the podcast, it's, a, it's patience and persistence. I'm not looking for huge success. I follow Seth Godin's rule where he was like, I never had one blog post go viral. I just wrote for 10,000 days in a row. That's yeah. how we, that's how we made the biggest blog in the world. Yeah. So my only my only um, hope with the podcast was to record a thousand straight episodes. That was it. There was nothing in terms of metrics or numbers or anything. It was rec- go do a yeah. thousand days in a row. Yeah. And then see what happens. Yeah. So we're at five sixty four today. I interviewed my son, my nine year old today is, is is an interview for the podcast. Which oh, is my, I love one that. Of my I love it. That's so, awesome. So there's no expectations. Just keep doing it. So kind of like the Dalai Lama, Brant. You've met uh, Gary V at the airport for for a moment. <laughs> kind of like the kind of like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, well, exactly. sure. And so with, with your podcast, Vincent, do you think also you know the advice that you give, or at least when you're having these conversations, um, you know, if, if people aren't using their skills correctly, you know, how do you get them to sort of transition into focusing on their strengths? We just had this conversation with another guests that'll be on the show, Tom Webster, and we talked about people not being in the right place, that you really have to focus on their strengths. How, how do you get them to do that? Whether it's because of your story, your background, but I would assume talking about giving people a total life freedom, this is part of the conversation, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I focus very much, You've heard, I'm sure you've heard the 80-20 rule. Oh, yeah. And it's very much that because so many people spend time on, on things that don't really matter or they're not very good at. And they forget about the things that they're really good at. And you know, I think it was I think it was Mark Twain that said people want to be praised for the 15 things that they're not good at, and they they ignore the one thing they are good at. Yeah. yeah. And so so that's with me. It's kind of like I know what I'm good at. I know I'm good at telling stories. Yep. I'm good at connection. But I shouldn't be doing the tech. If you want to see me throw a computer against the wall, get me to design a website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but a lot of people get stuck in in spending four days designing their website. Yeah. And but how much great content could you have created in that time that would have put you over the top or how many you know, conversations could you have had with people if, if you would have put the time to that? But at the same time, if you're great at tech, which I have friends that are, why would you spend time doing the other things instead of the things that are really going to help other people and you know, e- exemplify what you do well and really focus on that, that 20% that's going to give you the 80%. So I keep taking that 20% and honing it more and more to where it's the life that I want, the work that I want, but it really doesn't require that much time because we outsource everything else. We just focus on what we do really well. Yeah. Do, do you think with uh, your upcoming book, The Confluence, I would guess that this probably also plays a little bit into it, Brandon. You were talking about when you were, you were talking about what this book's ultimately going to do in creating a business that's completely unique, right? So it sort of also plays into the focus on what you're good at, focus on your strengths, only do that. You crush that. You're going to wind up having some great metrics that come out of it. D- does some of that um, resonate in, in your new book coming up? It does. It, it's, it's not, you know, cause I think that's, I don't think that's so unique of advice. I think we've got, we've all gotten that advice. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's incredibly unique, but what I've learned is for me, it was content and connection. And, and, and it's not that much different. It's not that much more complex than that. If I am, we all know our network is what builds everything for us, sure. right? Yeah. For you guys to reach out and say, hey, we want to have you on the show. We've built a relationship. We've gotten to know each other. And I'm honored that you asked me to be on here. But that wouldn't, I don't think that would happen just from my content. I think that happens because you're personable and you, and you care about people, right? And you, and you keep in touch with people and you try to help them out. And I don't think people do enough of that but i see that because they're so focused on their work but then at the same time they people are so focused on their work that they're not so they're so focused one or the other when you can bring those two together when you can bring the content that you create that's unique and the connections your network that you make and you can put those together you know we live in pittsburgh most you know in the summertime and it's the pittsburgh is the confluence of two rivers Mm -hmm. and when those two rivers come together they form the ohio river and it's only it's only the that powerful because it's two unique rivers coming together. And that's why downtown Pittsburgh is so unique because it's not a grid. It's these two things coming together and the topography and everything that comes with it makes it unique. And it's the same thing within our own businesses. So that's where the focus is. I love that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's real similar, you know, Jim for years, 
sort of took me under his wing, you know, almost the, 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 my sensei, the, the take pebble from hand grasshopper. And, you know, after I took it and, and just, and everything else pulverized him, um, it's, (laughs) it's been, (laughs) it's been this (laughs) incredible journey, but you're right. It's, it was equal content and connection. And because of that, he opened up his network to me, which has allowed me to get to where I am today. And that's, you know, I'm forever grateful for that, but that is something that I think you're right. As we look and, and, you know, we're constantly creating and, and looking at new ways. We've got a couple of things coming in, uh, uh, down the pipeline here that are going to be some, some new podcasts and some other things we have going on that are super exciting, but they wouldn't be possible without both that content and connection. Um, you know, you can have the greatest content in the world, but if nobody reads it, who cares? Right. And so, which is by the way, what you talk about in your book and all the work that you're doing from your assessment, because, you know, I, I think this isn't a a nice to have, it isn't something that we guess at. There's actually statistics like pure facts that we now know that the number one thing that people (laughs) crave today is what? connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's so the number one value, you know, we have this values assessment that people take with black sheep and uh, we've had thousands of people take it over the last gosh, six months now. And, um, the interesting thing is the number one shared value among humans is connection. And not only is it the number one value, it's a, it's the number one value by an over 50% margin to the next closest answer. So you're, you are absolutely right in, in, in including connection because we're desperate for it. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is it's part of why, um, I, I believe anyways, it's part of why the country is as divided as it is right now. And, and that's because when you long for connection and you can't find it in the constructive areas that, that you can participate in, you find it in the destructive areas. Um, and it's why we see, uh, extremists on both sides. It's why we see such separation is because for all of the things that they do really horribly on both sides, the one thing that they are incredible at is making you feel connected, making mm-hmm. you feel totally. like part of this movement of some way, shape or form. And, and, you know, I think the big thing that we need to be looking for to try to bring these two sides together is talk about, first of all, making space, holding space for people to be connected, right? So you mm-hmm. can't complain about the other side if you're not willing to welcome them in and have a conversation. Totally. Um, and so, you know, I think you're right. I, I love this idea of, of combining those those two things because the connection gives you the, the sort of earning the right to, to bring your content in and share your opinion. And so is that, is that sort of the, the direction the book goes is, is merging these merging because when you form the connection and you get to know each other, people are more interested in your content. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 But if you just say here, buy my crap or whatever it is, buy this, like, I don't even know who you are. and You're just trying to sell me something. But as you get to know somebody and you get to explain it and you get to talk about it and help other people with it, you get to hone the content so that when you put it together, yeah. you go, these, I actually help these people. That's my connection, right? Yeah. I help these people along the way yep. with this content as you see these rivers coming together. And now you've changed people's lives with the connection, the content and you know, you guys know referrals, the best way to build. Yeah. Business, oh yeah, right? yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Word of word of mouth. So you don't have to spend any money. So when you can do that for people, you know, Brent, you, you guys go on stage and you rock it. People are going to talk about you. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how you get, that's how you're going to get your next speaking gig. That's it's right. Not gonna, that's it's right. not going to be from a Facebook ad most likely, right? It should right. Be, but for the most part, it's going to be that. So when you can put those things together, but I think so often we sway really hard to one or the other. Yep. Usually I think the content maybe, cause like yeah. you said, not only do people crave connection, what's weird is we're more connected, right, yep. than ever yep. online. But they say the average American male has one friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, but we but but we have five thousand. Some of us a little bit less. <laughs> what that? He said, "In some of us a little bit less," and looked at me. <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, I think it actually is less. It's less than actually one percent. It's actually less than one when they when they average it out. It's like yeah. point nine. It's not even a real person. It's yeah. point nine of a person. Well, you know, it's so funny. Like we talk about this and, and here's the perfect sort of uh, case study. 
So, you know, I've, I've got, I've, I've loaded up a lot of my social stuff, um, through a planner now. So, so now I use this software sked social to sort of do a lot of my pre-planned content planning to share across networks. And so it comes with being able to track all of the analytics that come with that. And the number, uh, you know, I, I'm, I rack my brain to go, what am I going to, what am I going to share? What am I going to share? You know, I want to share something that's brilliant. I want to share something that makes people really think. I want them to go, oh, we need to have that guy come speak to us. And my number one post from last week was a picture of my youngest son who turned 20. <laughs> yep. With all, that's a good looking kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know yep. I mean? And I'm like. Yes, but but there's your proof that it's the connection. It makes me feel good, actually, that more people care about the connection with me and my son and knowing knowing my family than any pearls of wisdom I could share with them. Um, you know, it's, it's, I got to find, I need to basically have my son now hold yes. up, hold up signs <laughs> of my pearls of wisdom. And maybe I can merge those two rivers together, brother. Put those together. <laughs> well, like you said, your second best was a quote from somebody else. And you were like, come on, you're <laughs> totally. doing all this work. You're, so here's the deal. And this is, a, I, I'd love to get your opinion on this, Vincent. So, you know, uh, again, now that I have all this analytics stuff and I'm really taking it a little bit more seriously, I, you know, the other thing that really sort of was a, a kick in the gut was that of the content side of things, of the stuff I'm really sharing, the number one thing I shared was a quote from Maya Angelou and nobody, you know, they're not, you know, my stuff is there. Yes, it's resonating, but it's like three X when you, when you have a quote that's really well known already and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And what it did was it made me go back and go, you know, when the band first started, when, when Big Kettle Drum first started, um, you know even before that, when, when we were Fort Pastor, you know, we would look at things and we'd go, you know what? It's, we, we use the 60, 40 rule, which is we're going to play 60% of music that people know mm -hmm. and 40% of our own stuff. And, and the way that the reason that we did that was we wanted people to stick around and not be like, I don't know any of this music. Mm -hmm. I don't know any of these things. So yeah. you play these cover songs to get people to acknowledge, to, to, to maybe, maybe you play something that was their favorite song. And so all of a sudden you're tapping into that vibe and mojo that, you know, you're, they are listening to their favorite song and you're playing it. So now they like you by default because you're yeah. playing their favorite song. But now I'm looking at my content creation in the same way. It's gotta be sort of until you have a platform big enough you got to use that same, you got to have enough of things that you share that will resonate because they know the person, they know the, the story, they know the thought, whatever it is, and then sort of bring your stuff in side, side by side next to that and say, I have a voice too, and you might enjoy some of my stuff if you enjoy that stuff, right? And so yep. that, that is literally the plan that I have had in the last couple of weeks of, I went from having all stuff that I put yes. and went, yeah, okay, that's not going to happen anymore. So I got to bring in and now, it, like out of every, out of every, say, week's worth of posts that I do, only two or three of those posts are my own stuff. And every, mm. everything else is, is something that, that means something to me that connects to the work that I do in some way, shape or form, but it's from people who are much more famous or have much more experience or whatever that is that I'm sharing so that the message resonates and keeps them sort of in that flock of people who go, I really like the content he shares. And every once in a while you share one of your own and it really starts to elevate your stature. It, it, it also shows your generosity. Because you're also saying, instead of me being the hero all the time, yeah. right, with my own content, I'm willing to put other people, and I'm interested and excited to put other people's stuff out there mm -hmm. and, and, and show their word as well, because, because it's not just me. It's like, and people appreciate that, right? Yeah. People appreciate when you share their stuff. And, and there's nothing better when somebody goes, oh, I just shared your podcast. Like, you guys know it's a podcast. Yeah. You can't do it. Leaving a review and sharing a podcast is the greatest thing you could do for any mm -hmm. podcast. That's yeah. right. So when, when somebody does that, you appreciate it. So if people are always trying to have the spotlight, it's like you have, if you build a platform, you have the ability to shine that light for other people. And by you doing that, say, yeah, here's some stuff that I'm doing, you know, a couple times a week, but here's what other people have done or are doing as well. It's generous. Yeah. Love it. Here's what I love about Vincent and, and really his podcast. I mean, he's working with and, and talking to entrepreneurs and freelancers and trying to make their life better. But if you're an outside third party, you're working, you know, corporate America, 
there's something so inspiring still to be, I mean, this is probably why any business book or podcast you look in, it's aspirational. Like yeah. everybody, I think in their heart of hearts would love to be their own boss. They'd love to have their own job and be an entrepreneur. You can still learn a lot just by sitting into the conversation, whether Vincent, you're giving 180 degrees straight talk to the audience or you're talking to somebody. I just, I, I think the work that you do is great. And, you know, it doesn't hurt. You're, you're a fan of ours. And, and to know that, that we, you know, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while and just had an opening this year, you know, we can't thank you enough. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that have that, I wish I could be an entrepreneur mindset. And I do hope that they go and check out your show because you do a lot for, you know, not just for that community, I think for people longing for more. So it's I great. It. I appreciate that. And I am I'm a big fan of you guys. And it's, it is funny how we launched like at the same time, yeah. got to watch it, you know, go up at the same time. Um, did it? But I, I was that? <laughs> no. sorry. He's remember he's we're lighting, bottle rocket your yeah, SpaceX. That's right. No, 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 not, not at all. Not, we're, you know, it's funny because a friend of mine, you know, I got to connect with Seth Godin a bit, and a friend of mine was friends with him, and, and he like looked up to him, and this yeah. is the same way I do with other people, and other people mm. do with me. And he, he he met him, and he was they were in New York together driving around. He goes, you know, I'm taking you off of the pedestal because he put it on a pedestal for so long. And he goes, good, it's about time. Seth told him, he goes. We're all just writers trying yeah, to figure yeah, it out. Yeah. And that's what we all are. You know, you guys are doing stuff right in the speaking world. That's just like amazing. Like we're all doing certain things and we're all trying to figure other things out. And I, I think like the whole connection part of it in the community, that's if you can lift the people up around you, that's what's going to, first of all, it's good for your soul, I think. Yeah. And second of all, it's going to be good for your business because you want to be the person that, that is a connector and you are, you are bringing people together as opposed to just trying to win. Yeah. And and I think that's what I see you guys doing. It's what we're trying to do. And yep. it's just, just great to be on the journey together. Agreed. Well, so that's probably perfect since we're talking about self-motivation and obviously, you know, the three of us who do get a chance, we are lucky enough to be entrepreneurs. We're trying to avoid mediocrity no matter what, you know, how it presents itself. I can't stand that. And so we'll talk about that. But that that's probably perfect for us to talk about what our corresponding thought is, which I think you're going to like. Brant, what was the uh, thought we picked this week? Our thought comes from Andrew Carnegie. And, our, and the thought is this. Thoughts that rock number two. People who are unable to motivate themselves must be content with mediocrity, no matter how impressive their other talents and the reason that we pick this is, you know, I think that if I'm looking at two sides of the coin, Vince, and on one side, we have the skills part, right? So we have whatever it is that we're skilled with. But on the other side, it's all about motivation to actually use those skills. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we looked at this and it was just such a, a, a thought, this people who are unable to motivate themselves must be content with mediocrity. And, and as, as harsh as that sounds on the surface, it really describes a large portion of the population mm -hmm. um, because they're winging it. And when they wing it, it's hard to get above mediocrity. Um, you know, it, you can get lucky every now and then. But uh, if you want consistent success, you can't wing it. You've got to be deliberate with your intention, which means you've got to find ways to motivate yourself. Uh, no matter how that works. And, and, you know, we all have our ideas of what motivates us and what doesn't, but if you're just sort of waiting for inspiration, uh, my big learn over the last couple of years is there's a massive difference between inspiration and motivation. Mm. Uh, inspiration is external. It's external and motivation is internal. So if you look at someone and you go, gosh, I need to lose 20 pounds and you, you have a friend and they, they've lost 50 pounds. They look amazing. You go, gosh, that's going to motivate me to lose weight. No, it's not yeah. that that's going to inspire you to lose weight. But inspiration is fleeting. It's why every, for the most part, the large portion of people who go off on these mission trips to third world countries, they come back and they have this life changing experience for about six weeks <laughs> and then life then life goes back to normal because 
they're not in a in this remote area of the world anymore. They don't have have to face no running water or clean water or any of those things that they that other people are facing. And so the more that life sort of washes over them as they know it, the harder it is to stay motivated. Uh, because that inspiration has now gone away. And so it's one of those things that motivation is internal. Motivation is behavioral. And there's only some, there's only a few key motivators that we can use to keep us engaged from a scientific standpoint. So I, I feel like when I look at your thought and say, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. Um, I would say part of the hard part of that is to stay motivated, right? Because you knew mm -hmm. you were great at what you were doing, but when you go into your boss's office and he says, here's a 3% raise, how do you motivate yourself to go, I want to continue to do that, right? Because that's the, that's the rub is that it ends up kicking you in, in the gut to say, I don't care what you like. I don't care what you want to do. Um, find a new way to motivate yourself because I just sucked all the wind out of your sales because I only think yep. you're worth 3%, right? Yep. And, and, and the motivation part, right? Because there's people at that moment that would be like, okay, uh, that's, that's just what it is. Yeah. That's what life is and life sucks and, or it's okay. I'm fine with it. I think it depends on your level of what, what your aspirations are. And I just like, I don't know if you're asking me, like I, I am no good being just content. Yeah. I, I if, if, I think that's the hard part of success for a lot of people is what happens when you get what you want, right? Have you ever seen a, a dog catch its tail, right? <laughs> they, they chase their tail. When they catch it, they look confused. Yes. Because they don't know what to do. Now, well, now what do I do? What happens when you have the money and the success? And I got to see it in the world of sports and celebrity sure. that it's not, a, it's not always pretty. Yeah. Like everybody wants this. And Jim Carrey has a great line, which is, I wish everybody could become rich and famous so they could realize it's not the answer. Right. Right. Yeah. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I like to try it for myself though. Right. They want to figure it out for themselves. Yes. But, but at the same time, it's like, I had to come to this. And I love this quote. And it's a Pittsburgh quote, right? Andrew Carney's, <laughs> Andrew Carney's a Pittsburgh yes. guy. So, you know, the whole idea, like I always say to myself, I'm content, but not satisfied. Mm. Meaning, I'm happy today, no matter where I'm at. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I, I was broke in college. I was happy. I don't need a lot to yeah. be happy. Yeah. Right. And I think if people could remember, do you remember when you had no money and you, and you had a great time? Why are you stressing about money now? Mm -hmm. Not that you don't want to go get it, but you were happy with it with a lot less. Why is money the thing now? Especially if you're making 120 grand and you're still complaining. Yeah. I have very little, you know, patience for that. Cause it's like you did with a lot less. What is really the problem? But to me, if I'm content today, but I'm not satisfied because I need to keep improving. Yeah. That always keeps my motivation going. That's I every once in a while I have to come back to that. Yeah. And you know, it's like you guys, you know, play music. It's like, it's like tuning a guitar. It sounds great when it's tuned, but it's going to go out of tune. Yeah. And you need to constantly keep retuning it. That that's for me. I, I, I think you, when you were talking about, uh, contentment. I mean, that to me, that is almost the exact opposite uh, of progress. Like for us, it, it, if I just relied on being content, it would be the death of me for sure. And mm -hmm. I guess I looked at this Carnegie quote a little bit different because I was trying to re-engineer it. I think the first thing that stuck out to me was in the middle of the quote. It's about mediocrity. And just in general, for me, mediocrity sucks. I mean, it is my mm -hmm. biggest pet peeve. And maybe this is you know, from some of the background that we've had working in restaurants and retail, when people are just apathetic and they, they just don't care, there's no sense of urgency. There's no attention to detail. I mean, for me, I can't stand it. It frustrates me to no end and people allow it. And so then it goes back to the first part of the quote about you're unable to motivate yourself, which mm -hmm. to me is a cop out. I can't stand when people say they can't do it because you know, brands heard me say forever. I'm just a big believer that everything is learned behavior. And so whenever you can get to the point that you're able to make life decisions, you can make things happen. You can motivate yourself. You've got to do a little bit of some extra work, but if you just sit back and go, whatever, right, you just take it <laughs> and it's, it's mediocre. Well, then you've only got yourself to blame and, and you will sit there and stew in that mediocrity. And unfortunately, as much as smiling, that becomes contagious because if you're a leader, and you're allowing mediocrity to exist, guess what everybody's going to expect? Guess what kind of yep. performance you're going to get out there? So I, I know this is the stuff that you do talk about all the time, but I would assume you talk about this concept of motivation and, 
you know, I think when you when you have a title of your podcast like Total Life Freedom, it must come up, right, that you are trying to help people move into again that entrepreneurship mindset where mediocrity just can't exist, right? It can't you can't survive. Yeah. Yeah. Just go go get go get a job. Go get a job where they're gonna accept mediocrity and they're gonna pay you for it. Yeah. Right? Because they'll pay you just enough for you to get by, but just little enough that, that you, you you're not gonna be you're not gonna go crazy about it. You're gonna you're gonna make enough money, you're not gonna ever make it, but you're not gonna wanna quit. Yeah. That's the way they that's the pay structure. But if people realize the work that you're doing, if you're making a hundred grand at this company, you're worth probably close to three hundred to three hundred and fifty or three hundred to five hundred on the open market. Because why would they pay you a hundred grand for you to bring in a hundred grand? Yeah. You right. gotta, so yeah. if you have those skills, why can't you take that out there and go do it on your own and, and control your time and wait, make way more money. And if you're bad at business, you're 50% good. You'll still make 250 grand and yeah. control your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't people do it? They don't trust in themselves. And I think, you know, I'm not sure where you guys like on our school system, but I think the school system beats us down to yep. not believe in ourselves, to yep. just follow the rules and yep. go get a job. Yep. And you, I, I'll see it with 22 year olds. I don't think I can do it. Yep. At, at six years old, they think they could do everything. Yes. At 20, they don't think they could do anything. Right. Why is it? And so yep. I, I do think self-motivation, you can't get it. Like you guys probably see it from a keynote speech. They probably come over crying and hugging. But One six of us. months later, are they still doing it? Exactly. Right. There are so so in in the book in my book that that uh, came out this black sheep book we talk about uh, something called the four functions of behavior and this is really centered around motivation and this is something that I've, I'm curious to know what yours is, um, Vincent. So when when we deal with children, typically and and it's often used like in uh, kids with autism and stuff they they use the four functions of behavior to determine motivation, and and the acronym that we use is SEAT. S-E-A-T. And so the four functions of behavior are sensory, escape, attention, and, and tangible things. And so those are the only four reasons why humans do anything, right? So the first is sensory. We do things. We're motivated by uh, a feeling that we are longing for. I want my dad, you know, just like you said, my dad, um, I, I knew he believed in me. He encouraged me in that way at that time. That was a feeling that could, that could motivate you because you wanted that acceptance from your father. Okay. So that's, mm-hmm. that's sensory escape is exactly that. I am motivated to get out of this scenario because yeah. I don't want any part of it. Right. You're, you're as a kid, your mom puts the broccoli down in front of you and you're like, I'm gone. I don't want to eat that. Um, that is a very powerful motivation, right? Um, attention is you are motivated by the attention of others, right? So here's that connection value coming into play. We are motivated by being connected to other people. The perfect example is I can't get myself to work out, but I got a workout buddy now and I get Jim to meet me every, every morning at the gym. I'm not motivated to work out. I'm motivated because I don't want to disappoint Jim and that, that, that attention part of it, that negative attention that might come from me standing him up and not showing up, um, motivates me to, to show up every day. And then finally tangible is literally something tangible. These are the, you're sort of quintessential salespeople. I am going to do my job because I want that bonus. I want that car. I want that house. I want that, whatever it is, uh, the trophy, the salesman of the month, uh, uh, whatever, whatever it's going to be, salesperson of the month, whatever it looks like, right? So the idea is those are the four functions of behavior, and we all have a preference. Um, at times, we have competing motivators, and this is where it comes. Dif- it becomes difficult to make a decision because you've got two competing motivators happening at the same time, and it's why we have to know our non-negotiable values because they're sort of the tiebreaker in those scenarios. But out of those four things, what is your preferred uh, motivator is it sensory escape attention or or the, the tangible things? I, I I do think it's shifted around with me through yeah. time. That really kind of hits me, you know. And I read it right a year and a half ago, a year yeah. ago. Yeah. When, when he says to me, and it, it hits because it's just like I, I think it's tangible. Yep. And I think that that's what the. I mean, I can I think every it changes from you know day yep. to day or what we're going through. But the first. I would I would like to think it's tangible as I hear that. Yeah. But I, but I would I would need to go through that a little bit more. Yeah, you know the interesting thing is when you know what your preferred method of motivation is then you can use it on yourself every single day, right? That's the beauty of knowing what they are because if yeah. you relied on inspiration 
that's going to come and go. And there'll be days where it's really powerful and strong. And there'll be other days where it's like, whatever, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. But when we look at those, what, what are you, what is yours, Jim? What is out of those four functions? You know, I think probably mine's tangible as well. You know, but but I honestly think that I mine has probably uh, evolved over time. I yep. but for sure because impact and influence is so critical for us. I know you could say that because of all three of our books, yep. the podcast. There's nothing better than being on stage and knowing that you're reaching. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think a hundred, a thousand people, whatever it is. But I think it's sort of like when we were doing the uh, the on-site assessment from Giant, right? Yep. When Steve was yep. was yep. talking to us about that. Um, I think that mine probably floats into into several of those different categories. Yeah. Yep. So mine's attention. Is it? <laughs> like you have to ask. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so you know. But Didn't you say less black sheep, more covers? Here's the deal. You want me, you know, th this is what sucks you into the music business for 20 years. You talk to a, a, a promoter, a concert promoter. He's yeah. like, we're going to have you know, 5,000 people at this concert. And you show up and there's 50 people yeah. there. They used my motivation of attention to get me there because sure. I want that attention from those people. Because if I can't, I can't have the impact that I want, which is a value of mine. Yeah. I can't have that if I don't have the people. So mm -hmm. I need their attention to get the impact. And that is how, you know, how we continued to play shitty venues for 20 years. <laughs> because. <laughs> Because they promise us the world and we show up and it's nothing, right? Yeah. I don't think we ever showed up to an event where there was a line around the corner. And if there was, it's because there was a Dunkin' Donuts over there. It wasn't <laughs> to see us play our shows. And so, you know, learning the four functions of behavior has helped me tremendously decide to get up in the morning when I don't want to get up to mm -hmm. go do that thing that I might not necessarily feel like doing. It helps me overpower my feelings if it's going to help me accomplish a value, right? And that's the thing. If I can honor a value and not succumb to this feeling that I have that might, whether it's fear or uncertainty or whatever that might be that, that keeps me from saying yes to certain things, I look at that motivator and go, okay, how am I going to get myself to say yes to this when I don't feel like doing it? And that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges as humans that we face, especially anybody who's ever wanted to lose, you know, more than five pounds. Mm -hmm. You've got to find a way to motivate yourself that keeps you engaged on a daily basis. Because if you don't, it's a ping pongy, giant, you know, uh, a roller coaster ride. Um, as Jim and I look at each other, going, we we ate well today. Yeah, we did good today. <laughs> But tomorrow, it's a bear claw and a, you yeah. know. <laughs> I just wish there was a device where you could do, I don't know, a 14-minute workout. Not like hours, but like 14, oh, wait, <coughs> I have that. I don't use that. I convinced Jim Vincent to go buy a Bowflex uh, Max, uh, one of the, uh, what, I forget what it's called. It's a, it's a Bowflex machine. Yeah, that, yeah, Max Trainer. Max Trainer. Two years ago. Two years ago that has a 14-minute workout. I'm like, look, dude, you can do 14 minutes. And it's still sitting in his living room right now yeah. <laughs> with with two years worth of dust on it. That's right. That, so it didn't it didn't work out. It did not. Well, it did not. It didn't work out, and neither did he. No, neither <laughs> one. <laughs> but I'm pumped. It's perfect. So, so Vincent, in all the work that you're doing now, I mean, I know you've mentioned a couple times about us speaking. Is that is that a desire? Is that a dream of yours? Do you want to go out and, and be a a speaker as well? Yeah, I mean, I've done some. I've done some keynotes. It obviously, as I was, I was actually it was a goal of 2020. It was it was a big goal, and then you saw what happened in the yeah. entire industry. Yeah. And it was it was a good thing for me to step back and say, okay, what are you focused on? Because you know, we do have three kids, and we homeschool, and we travel a lot. And I've got to really pay attention to is that for my ego, or is that for what I really need to do? Mm. Because and, and, and I, I had to take a step back because I know you guys know what goes into that and the travel involved with it. And, and I wasn't sure that that's where I wanted to go. So I had to think about it. And I'm, it's still something for the future. But we love what we're doing right now. I love it. In I love interaction. So I love speaking. But I also love like we do these masterminds. We do live masterminds. We do events. And I think that's where I'm going where it's more intimate type mm -hmm. of um, workshop type of stuff as opposed to keynote so we're it's still working out but yeah it's definitely it's definitely in the cards it's funny because you were you were mentioning before about i could tell you were about to be on the edge to talk about public education which again i'm, I'm a product of public education i taught in the, in that system but 
same thing. I homeschooled all of my kids. And I think right now the reason that you have such a rise in private charter schools, um, homeschooling is because there's still so many things fundamentally broken with public education. But, you know, if you fast forward to what you're doing, I mean, this is where people that once they get out of school, once they're now in a, in a job in lieu of some awesome mentor or training program, you got to develop yourself. You've got to be self-motivated yeah. to go, geez, if I'm going to get to the next level or like what you do, become an entrepreneur, I need to get information somewhere. And that's the beauty of not only podcasts and books like you're doing, but I just think, brother, if you go out there on the road and start doing some public speaking, you reach more people. And like you said, the for us, it just it spins off into other events and you could probably resonate with a lot of people that are looking to develop themselves just a little bit more. But you know, and I'll just I think we'll probably end there. But honestly, the stuff you're doing is really, really good, man. We're just we're we're thrilled to watch you grow and, and us to stay back where we are. I'm sorry. I, I hope I hope that you <laughs> Can handle It'll the, take a second. the four feet standing on your coattails, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You guys, I'm, I'm I'm watching you guys crush it, and then and and I love. See, I'm a self depreciating guy as well, so I can, I can appreciate it. But uh, you guys, welcome to the tribe. He can appreciate you're, the depreciation. That's right, it. Yeah, you're making you're making me laugh. That's all I gotta say. I you, guys are, you guys are killing. It's perfect. Where where can people stay in touch with you, or at least uh, follow along? We talked about the podcast address, but anything you want to uh, point you know at least people to, to come and check your stuff out where, where yeah. can they find that it, i'm pretty easy i'm pretty totallifefreedom.com is the website we have the podcast on there we also i recorded my book freelance to freedom in audio version i give it away for free oh so, nice awesome. yeah if anybody wants it i mean i just figured you know it was the advice that i was given to get the book in as many people's hands as possible because mm-hmm. if you want to make an impact of what you're doing you know so i figured okay i can't physically give out as many pu- books as possible, but I can record an audio book and give it away. So that's that awesome. Me was something that, yeah. So the link for the uh, free download is on the website and uh, pretty simple. And then totallifefreedom.com is the podcast. And that's where I'm at. Perfect. Perfect. Listen, brother, you know how much we love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes today. Thank you for sharing with the audience and uh, we will be cheering you from the, from the cheap seats as much as we can. You guys are awesome, and uh, I just really appreciate this, and I'm honored to uh, to be invited. This has been fantastic. Us too, man. It was great. Thanks, pal. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Thanks, guys. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, Contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!